This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey everybody, if you happen to be listening to today's podcast, thank you. May have seen me say this on social media, but if you are still here after all of the pressure for you to have nothing to do with me, thank you. Glad to be back. Glad to be back here on The Breakdown. Today, just want to share my heart, share some thoughts, love and appreciate each and every one of you. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The Breakdown. Again, thank each and every one of you for being here. If you are here listening to the podcast, which we we haven't promoted today's episode heavily, um, you're an OG. Like <laughs> if if you're still here, we're almost at episode 500, which is hard to believe. That's a lot of episodes. But if you're still here, I'm deeply grateful for you. Glad to still have you. You know, today and pretty much all week um, are going to be a personal, reflective episodes. Um, not, not just talking about how I'm doing. And not just, not just, uh, not just me venting. <laughs> uh, there might, I mean, there might be some of that. I, I don't. I'm at a point now where these past few months have really changed me, and I, I mean that in. Some some for the good and and some not. Uh, they've definitely taken something out of me. I'm just being I'm just being transparent. Um, you know when you have, and I'm putting air quotes around hard times. Like I've had hard times in life. You know, hard times is when my my brother found out he had pancreatic cancer in August and died in September. Like that's, that's hard times. Um, you know, hard times is when I almost died in a car accident and took me two years to recover. That's, that's hard times. The hard times is, is for those of you who've read make change. And when I tell this story is, you know, being beaten so badly as a 15-year-old that I missed the next two years of high school. So, I mean, I've experienced hard times, and you know, these past few weeks, have, they've been hard. Have they been as hard as those moments? I don't know. I don't think so, no. But pain, pain is relative. Those three things that I just mentioned, I think, those were three of the hardest moments of my life, hands down. But in a lot of ways, particularly 
in the car accident and, and when I was assaulted, it wasn't that, that I was the only one that experienced pain, but those were very isolating moments. But for the past month, uh, my whole family has been experiencing this. You know, I've, I've had to see my wife cry, my kids cry, my mother cry. And just the pain that's distributed among my family, uh, man, that's hard. It's, it's hard for me to handle. And, and so much of what I do, so much of what I've done over the, I mean, I've been a public leader for over 20 years. And so much of my 20 years in leadership, when I've had painful moments as a leader, leadership moments, I've tried to just absorb that pain and, and, and take it on my own as much as I could. And in some ways, it was just always my attempt to kind of spare my family of the pain, my, my particularly my wife, my kids, my mother, and, and others. But these, these, these past few weeks, my whole family has experienced it, and that's hurt me in a, in a way that's just painful, to see people talk bad to and about my family. Uh, man, it is, it is infuriating in a lot of ways. And one of the things that I think really burns me up is to see people like my wife. Damn, I I don't want to say she's perfect, but like she's as close to perfect as anybody in my circle. Like she's she's not just she's not just beautiful. She's brilliantly smart. She works from the time she wakes up and she tends to be the first person up in the house until deep in the night. She's not only in a doctoral program, she's working a full-time job and has a part-time job as well. And is just brilliant. She tends to be the best person in the room in any room she's in, including any room I'm in. <laughs> like she tends to be the leader in the room. And and my staff at the North Star understands this. Like, if me and her are in the same room, she's the leader. <laughs> like, it's just she is. I, I'm famous, but she's an amazing, competent, capable leader. And this house that that we've lived in for the past eight months, my wife bought that house. Like literally in her name with her credit. And I'm about to say something, you know, I couldn't even people. I saw people say, oh, he put that house in his wife's name. No, 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 no. My wife bought the house. It's not my house that we put in my wife's. That's not how home loans and other things go. My wife bought the house. It's in her name in not just because of this, but we tried to put me on the loan and my credit's just not great enough. <laughs> like, uh, you know, sorry if that makes you feel some kind of way about me, but uh, I really don't even have credit. You know, I don't, I don't have cars, you know, I don't have any, I've never, you know, don't, haven't purchased a home and uh, don't really have credit cards. And so, this this home that we're in, this thing is in my wife's name. 
because she has the credit, she has the income. It wasn't a security thing. Like, it wasn't like, oh, let's put it in her name and nobody will ever find it. No, no, no. This is the home she purchased with her brilliant credit score and her great income. And for people to throw us under the bus for a home she purchased. And I've had to say this a couple of times, like with an FHA loan, a government backed loan for people to be able to afford homes and for people to call it like lavish and palatial like, what the hell? Our mortgage today is less than any rent we've paid in 10 years. I mean, it's almost 10 years ago when we had a, a one bedroom apartment in New York, almost 10 years ago, we were paying almost exactly what we're paying in mortgage now for a one bedroom, New York apartment. Was that in the news? No. Our two bedroom apartment costs more in rent costs more than our home does right now. And it's like, that wasn't in the news. We had seven of us in a one-bedroom apartment. Like, literally violated the apartment rules all we could afford. We had seven of us in a two-bedroom apartment. Again, violating the apartment rules. It was, it was all we could afford. When we finally were able to get a townhouse in Brooklyn that could fit the family, it cost twice as much as this mortgage does. That wasn't on the news. And here's the thing. People don't care about someone having a huge home. Like, that's, that's not really an issue. Like, I saw President Obama and his, and his family, you know, had his birthday party this past week in Martha's Vineyard. And it was in the, like, I think this is the fourth, their fourth home that they've purchased. And it's an $11 million house on the ocean there in Martha's Vineyard. And liberals don't have a problem with that. You know, black folk don't have a problem with that. Conservatives then pretend to have a problem with that, but then they realize that uh, Donald Trump lives in a country club and here in New York lives in a gold-plated penthouse. So conservatives don't care about it. It's fake outrage. But what's wild is we don't even have a million-dollar house. (laughs) It's an FHA loan that my wife got. And this idea... You know, security um, came to our house the day that it it was published. And uh, several of the brothers, the whole team came. And several of the brothers were like, Sean, when we pulled up, we were expecting to see one thing. And then we were like, oh, this is a regular-ass neighborhood. We live in a a basic neighborhood of working-class people. And our home is old. And, you know, when we moved in, needed work and still needs work. And this idea that we're like living large when what we actually did was leave New York because we literally could not afford it. Like we downsized and all of a sudden we're being penalized for it. It's crazy. I saw somebody post something. You know, conservatives tried to do this to Stacey Abrams. She she bought a home. It was like, look at her. She's bought this. You know, her home was like $1.1 million. And 
it's like, what are you, what are we talking about here? Like, what are we, what are we really saying? Like, what type, how, how much could the home cost to, to the point that it's no longer a problem for you? And what I realize is a lot of people just don't understand how much homes and apartments and condos cost in New York and New Jersey. You just don't understand it. Or San Francisco or Los Angeles. You just don't understand it. And, you know, I'm from the South. I'm from Kentucky. And, you know, when my mother, my mother uh, got a divorce and I think I was maybe in kindergarten or first grade, and we bounced around from rented homes and apartments. And when I was in middle school, about to go into high school, she bought her first home. And that house, I think, was like, at that time, I mean, gosh, this is all the way back in like 1993, I think it was like $100,000. And so, yeah, uh, 25 years ago, a home in Kentucky might have been $100,000. You know, I lived in Atlanta for 15 years. Um, You know, home prices in Atlanta are not like home prices in Brooklyn or New Jersey, or or Manhattan. And people are just shocked to see, like, holy crap. And we were heartbroken in a lot of ways that we actually couldn't afford to buy a home in Brooklyn. Like, never. There was never going to be a chance that we bought a home in Brooklyn. Just could never afford it, ever, ever, ever. And the price of this home, uh, you could not buy a nice one-bedroom in Brooklyn, period. And most of the homes that we've lived in had been previously for sale. I mean, astronomical prices. Two and three and four, five times the price of the home that we're in now. It's like, who who can do that? And so I expect one thing from conservative media. And so the New York Post, which is now conservative, and Fox News, which is conservative, and other conservative outlets posted all the details of our home. But I think what what hurts is to see liberals and Democrats and everyday black folk also basically take the bait. And it's a it's a it's a brilliant strategy for conservative media to launch the attack, just knowing that listen, other people are gonna pick it up. And I I have to just one, keep on living. My family has taken all the steps we can to protect ourselves and move. And um, it's it's been a heartbreaking few weeks to see your home, which you purchased to be a safe, private retreat for your family, um, away from the city, to see it up everywhere where anybody could then come by and, um, you know, here we are. And, um, you know, part of, part of what I am thinking through now is not only what's next for me, I'm, I'm still leading the North star. I'm still leading the grassroots law project and real justice and, doing all the work that I do. I'm still going to be a writer. But it's changed me. And it's changed some of how I'm going to approach 
what I do, how I do what I do. And uh, over the next few days, I want to unpack and explain it. Listen, I've got to run. Um, Today is one of the first days where I'm kind of back to a full day of meetings and, and everyday work. But I appreciate you. Love and appreciate all of you. I'll be back tomorrow. Take care, everybody. Break it down. Break, 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 break.